Hi everyone and welcome back to Into the Void. I'm your host Ant and you join me today for episode number 29 of my weekly audio diary or A-log as I prefer to call it in which I share my observations about the world in this rather strange and very kooky thing we called life which seems to get weirder and stranger with each passing day. So thank you all, as always, for tuning in for the latest episode today. I hope you are all doing well. Um, In today's uh, particular episode, I want to focus primarily on some interesting um, news stories in the last few weeks, which have caught my eye because they speak of, or they speak to, sorry, I should say, sort of um, themes and patterns in terms of what's happening in the world and the direction of um, kind of like human consciousness and where we may find ourselves um, in future years. So first of all, um, this is something that um, I didn't really, I didn't previously predict. I thought this um, would would always be the same in terms of the kind of mainstream media's attitude towards former President Trump. Some say, of course, um, he is still the real legitimate uh, president. I don't want to go down that particular rabbit hole at the moment. Anyway, what I want to pick up on in regards to Trump is that there has definitely been a kind of sea change in the media, uh, a kind of shift in tone or emphasis. And, um, and that kind of is expressing itself in terms of sort of... Um, a recognition that it's highly likely that he's going to win the upcoming presidential election in the US in November this year, 2024. And um, why this has happened, um, I don't know. Um, There are some people who are saying, you know, some people in the alternative media, the likes of um, Henry McCow, who you may or may not have heard of, um, he's written a few books, most famously a book about feminism called Cruel Hoax, Feminism and the New World Order, which is actually a very good read. Um, Is a bit black pill for my liking, but there's some interesting themes. Anyway, what Henry McCow is saying, and I don't agree with this perspective again, because I just think it's laughable, he's saying that this is all just a predetermined script, and the reasons, one of the reasons why the mainstream media are finally accepting the likelihood of Trump winning the US presidential election is that he's then going to lead the world into a World War Three type scenario, you know, shock horror, the, the ultimate the ultimate um deception. I personally um I don't think I don't, as you know, I'm not a doomer, I'm not um I'm not a black pillar. So I don't think I don't see things in those particular terms and just to just want to add a little bit more evidence as to my point so um as you know um i do keep my eye to what's going on in normie world in the matrix i think that's a misnomer uh, the matrix being outside of us i think we are in the matrix ourselves um but anyway out there in the mainstream world there was um interesting headline on a newspaper here in the uk called the daily mail which is very tabloid typically seen as right wing um anti-leftist anti-woke type of thing and that being the case uh former prime minister boris johnson he has a regular column on the weekend and i happen to see 
I happened to see a headline and it said, um, he had said in his article, and it was at the top of the banner on the paper last weekend, I think it was, and Boris Johnson said that Trump might be um, the best thing or that the world needs right now. Now, of course, I know uh, people that happen to take interest in such things. Boris Johnson and uh, former President Trump are said to be good friends and pals and all the rest of it. So people might say, well, of course, Boris Johnson would say that about Trump. But to have a headline banner um, on, on the newspaper that would normally be very, um, although it is kind of described as a right wing paper, the Daily Mail or da Daily Fail, as it is more popularly known here in the UK, they, they, they've always, um, you know, been leading the march of um, sort of uh, orange man bad and all of the usual sort of Trump hatred. So for them to 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 have that on the front page of their newspaper, I, I do think it is kind of like a, a recognition of the inevitability. It is. Um, some might say, of course, it's gaslighting the, the, the masses, certainly all of those crazy um crazy leftists who whose head um you know whose heads all collectively exploded when trump won back in um november 2016 i'm not quite sure what happened to them if he was to win again they probably uh, would be sort of like um, a mass suicide i don't know but anyway joking aside um it, it is an interesting it is an interesting twist and and once more it does show you the extent to which um i wouldn't go so far as henry what henry macau is talking about in terms of a grand theater or soap opera but i do believe we are watching a type of theater or soap opera and that's why um during this time and as i've said quite a lot recently so forgive me for repeating myself but i think it's well worth repeating I'm telling myself as much as you guys the importance at this time to be emotionally detached to just view ourselves as interesting observers um, and I think that's going to be very um, helpful in terms of the US presidential race if you are interested in such things I happen to be um, because I think obviously anything that happens in the US radiates out around the world but you know, I've done, as I've said before, I've done my whole Trump saviour thing uh, at the back end of 2020 into 2021 when I thought all was going to be revealed about the truth about the stolen election, which didn't actually happen, of course. So I've done all that now. I've, I've, I've kind of played that out through my I played that out through my system. Um, but, yeah, just back to the point um, I'm making it just it just. It reveals once again how so much of um, politics and what politicians say and, 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 you know, it may appear as if they hold these convictions uh, about their political opponents. But it just literally it, it is all it is all it's all bluster. It is all theatre. It's just to get us, the public, to, you know, to get us riled up. To get uh, to get our emotions um, activated, so we feel like um, you know we've got skin in the game, if I can put it like that. And it's also for us to choose um, to choose one side over the other. I would just also like to add this will give you a, um, a little bit of an insight into the sort of the way in which the very superficial way in which leftists or leftist politicians how um, 
they just shift their position as suits fit. So um, in terms of British politics, um, the Labour Party, there's a guy called David Lammy. Uh, he is what is described as like the shadow um, the shadow foreign secretary, which basically means that um, if Labour were to win the next election, which like the US election is going to take place at some point in 2024, we don't know when, he would assume the role of the Foreign Secretary, uh, which is now currently held by that utterly odious character, um, David Cameron, who's returned to politics for some reason. I don't know. Certainly not for reasons around valour or honour, as those two words don't generally uh, go along with politicians of any particular colour. Anyway, this um, David Lammy character, we'll just um, check out his credentials. Uh, in terms of his his, his Trump hating credentials, and it's his obviously his his psychosis and his madness. So, back in twenty seventeen, David Lammy described Trump as a fascist, as a racist KKK, and a Nazi sympathizer. I believe this was before Trump's planned visit to the UK. I'm not sure if it was later in 2017, 2018. I'm not sure. Anyway. This crazy, psychotic David Lammy, he also said if Trump um, comes to uh, London and visits the Prime Minister and visits the Queen, I think it was, yeah, it was Theresa May at the time, so before Boris Johnson, he'll chain himself to the, the doors of, of Number 10 Downing Street. Of course, he never did do that because Trump did come and visit the UK and I don't remember David Lammy following through uh, on, uh, on his threat, which would have been quite funny. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is He's recently come out and said, uh, again, with this shift of emphasis in the mainstream media about the inevitability of Trump winning the next presidential election. He's come out and said, oh, in the Labour Party, um, we're, we might have differences uh, with Trump, but we're prepared to work with him. And again, it just shows you how odious these politicians are. They're just odious, odious creatures. And that's why I think that... Um, you know, Trump has always been well supported, continues to be well supported in the US and around the world um, because he's not a politician. <laughs> it's really, it really is. Um, it really is simple as that. And just lastly, I just want to pick up on this particular something that I picked up in the news. I may be wrong. Um, you may you may well have not picked up on it and think that um, the kind of those people who are opposing Trump supposed cabal or whatever you want to call them the naughty people in their black pointy hats that want to stop um that want to stop trump of course um they've tried all these various court cases and all the rest of it and, and none of it works and all of it makes trump more popular not just in the us but around the world so uh, as many people have said obviously the the last thing they'd have to do is is take him out is assassinate him which obviously that would be a little bit um a little bit of a giveaway so um there isn't much more that they can they can really do now but then that's why as i was just saying before sorry it's probably best to just avoid that um rabbit hole of trying to work out well is he one of the good guys trump is he is he going along with it um as i say um there's some people that are saying he was aware that the election in 2020 was going to be stolen and, and that Biden, the illeg illegitimate president, was going to be put into place. 
uh, and there are other high-level players, and this was all known before, and they all now realise that Trump is is going to to win again later this year. I'm not sure about that. I think that it all becomes a bit of a head fuck, bit of a head fuck. Excuse me, swearing when you try and when you try and analyse things to that sort of granular, um, microscopic level. As I've always said, as I try to point out aspects of you know the truth of trap and trying to keep oneself feet firmly in the ground these things will never will never you'll never be able to work it out and you you know as i've done in the past you can almost send yourself to the to the crazy house trying to work work it all out i just finish on this point i just think it will be funny if trump wins firstly because he's not because he's not a politician okay like a lot of uh, people um i would have a lot of issues with his uh his um you know unflinching support for for israel and all, and all the rest of it i'm not going to talk about that now but i just think it will be funny and amusing because all of those people who you know once he lost last time allegedly and they were just so happy and they were you know they were they were uh, they took comfort in the fact that he was now political has been and if he was to return it would it would just be hilarious to see um just to see the um the reaction of all the orange man, orange bad, orange man bad. Sorry, Trump haters watching, watching them all lose their collective shit, for want of a better phrase, will be um, very very amusing. And you know, as I've said, and as many people have said, who who are you know trying to surmise or predict what will happen in twenty twenty four. Um, it wouldn't surprise me um, if this is the case, if he was to win Trump, because we really are in, you know, we thought um, during COVID we were in uncharted waters. I think we've, we're even we're in even more un, uncharted waters now, so nothing will, would surprise me. Anyway, the next thing I want to talk about today in terms of the news is something you may well have picked up from. Again, it's it's sort of in the mainstream arena, but this is all this talk of war, 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 and World War Three, and I know that's always sort of meandering in the background. But um, what this brought, what this, uh, how this was brought to my attention is um, the head of the British Army, a General Patrick Saunders, who is actually going to retire later this year. So this might have been his just, you know, his parting peace in terms of you know hey i'm still relevant god damn it but anyway he's he's claiming that um you know the threat of war with russia has never been more real since the cold war and that britain needs to consider creating a citizen's army or reintroduce conscription which ended a long long time ago back in um 1960 so this this is during the, the week this has led to a discussion you know in political and political commentary circles in this country about um, would people be prepared to, you know, fight for their country and would they welcome the reintroduction of conscription like I was just talking about. Now, what's what's interesting about this from my mind, again, this has nothing really, if you delve um, beyond the rhetoric, if you if you dig a little bit below the surface, yes, this is just some, you know, some... Uh, general who who wants to go down in history as having made some sort of mark and all the rest of it but really i think what this speaks to is 
the globalists, these so-called um, so-called elites who claim to who claim to be in control of events on Earth. I think all of this mention of war, 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 because we've also had a, a high high level general in NATO coming out um, saying that war with um, Russia is becoming will become an, an inevitabil inevitability by the end of the decade. So we've got all this. We have all this uh, war drum beating going on. But I think, just back to the point I'm making, I'm thinking it's just a recognition uh, that these controlling powers, they've essentially, they've, they've lost, I think. So so many of the public now can, they've seen free, like the fake, uh, the fake green agenda, the woke agenda. Many, many, many more now can see they were fooled during COVID. And it's not, there's really... There's not much more they can do. The system is failing. Uh, I'm saying that all these agendas to enslave humanity—they're so—they're so, they're so um, transparent now that it often happens, and it's half happened in the past. When the elites, when they need to reset, great reset. When they need to reset things and cream off even more of the wealth and the world's resources for themselves, they just create a war. Now, in the past, that was possible. But we now, as we know, we live in a in a very different world than before the First and Second World War, and even before, and even during um, the height of the Cold War in decades gone by, we live in a multipolar world now, not a unipolar world, and um, that means that the likelihood of a world war, I think, is is highly unlikely, and so much of the world now is is interconnected and as we know there are there are um factions within the so-called elites controlling the world in avert commas um anyway so the practicalities around playing something out that or arranging something like that to happen um i think is 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 very very um is very unlikely and a lot of these people like the people at the world economic forum and the rest of it uh, I think they are being driven mad now by their own arrogance and hubris. And as we know from this kind of psychological profile of psychopaths, which undoubtedly many of these creatures are, I won't even call them human, they they can't accept defeat. They can't accept that the world has changed. Western dominance is declining, declining sharply. Yes, OK, the US still has, um, I believe it's about 800 military bases around the world. So there's still laden with military equipment but in terms of um kind of socio-economic influence that is definitely um reigning and as we saw with things like the roman empire uh many years ago history just repeating itself in terms of military expansionism and uh overreach which eventually just leads to um which leads to failure which we've seen not just with the roman empire but many many uh empires it's just the same pattern repeating repeating don't get me wrong i mean obviously this still means that we live in um we do we do live in we still live in extremely um dangerous world of course i'm not 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 that naive not to you know to give um to give recognition to that but i just think in a very simple terms if you think of the rise of the east and china and india who collectively have populations over two billion why would um why would the financial elites say and the corporate elites in India and China and even Russia, why would they want to set the world world alight? 
they've still got huge amount of um, profiteering to make, especially a country like India. I mean, it's still just, um, it's still just, it's still, you know, on the rise. So I, I just don't personally, um, I think this is just this whole talk of World War Three. Um, I think it's just largely talk, of course, again, is to, um, like COVID, is to raise uh raise the fear bribe fear bright fear vibration sorry i'm struggling to get my words out today to raise the fear amongst the general population uh so that they can't you know manifest positive things into their life and that they live a kind of uh diminished life and it uh, helps to um also uh, affect uh, one's health the immune system so i think it's it's just um it's just a, a more case uh, of trying to pump people with fear. But yeah, this week it's definitely from many quarters it's been coming. And not only that, also, I think it's also a recognition of the, uh, the West's failure um, to respond uh, to Russia's annexation of the eastern parts of uh, Ukraine back in September 22, when the war was effectively over. The fact that Russia has not um, responded to any of the provocations because it, it knows it knows it doesn't need to at this, at this point in time because the West culturally, economically, financially, politically is, you know, is on the track, is on the track to, to, to total ruin. So why, why threaten it, its own survival? So, I mean, by extension, of course, I think the usual suspects they obviously they are trying to provoke things in the Middle East with these so-called Houthi attacks on shipping in the in the Red Sea, but I haven't actually seen any footage of this. I suspect quite a lot of what we're hearing and not seeing is a kind of a wag the dog style um, events that aren't actually even really happening in real time, but they're being used perhaps to lead to a fait accompli in terms of a US attack on Iran. But we've been hearing that for decades. I don't honestly think um it will come to that but anyway that's just something i picked up on as always with these elites they want war they want destruction because they're driven by demonic monsters uh, whereas us the so-called ordinary people we just want to be left in peace to, to get on with our lives and generally we don't care for war we don't think about war we don't speculate about war uh, unless you're a kind of like um, a doomer or a black pillar, those sorts of sites of truthers, they do tend to obsess about war a hell of a lot. But for those of us who aren't like that, we tend to think of more um, earthly, more um, expansive things. Anyway, what I want to pick up next is a new story. Um, it relates to COVID and it sort of comes under, it comes under the title of should we forgive and forget? That's an interesting question. So I know some people are quite adamant, those that pushed the pandemic and those that pushed all the lies, all the deceit, all the psychological warfare that we, you know, they shouldn't be forgiven. Anyway, I'll just provide you with some context. So recently, very tragically, actually, um, a British guy, a, ter um, a journalist, uh, speciality is a tennis, really, a tennis correspondent, it like that guy called Mike Dixon he died suddenly in adverted commas um about a week or so ago now aged 59 so not really uh old and this was whilst he was in Melbourne Australia covering covering the Australian Open 
Now, the real interesting part of this, um, particularly interesting part of this story, uh, not to downplay the guy's death, of course, was that two years ago, you might remember all of the controversy and furore when the tennis authorities in Australia um, barred or banned Djokovic from entering the Australian Open back in January 2022. It's hard to believe two years ago now. And I I did a, I did a bit of a, a kind of amusing skit on my YouTube channel, which proved to be quite popular around truthers, uh, black pill truthers who were, you know, saying that Djokovic was controlled opposition and he was part of um, the World Economic Forum and all this absolute nonsense. Anyway, this uh, unfortunate soul, Mike Dixon, who's now um, passed on at the time, he was very critical of Djokovic. He accused him of playing the system. He um, he 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 wanted to introduce um, at that time within tennis on the tour no jab, no play, and he was basically really had coming out and uh, attacking Djokovic. And uh, we saw many people, of course, with varying public profiles attacking so-called anti-vaxxers. Um, I've spoken about that at length. But anyway, the real juice of the story here is that um, uh, Djokovic obviously uh, learnt of this this guy's death and um, being the honourable man that he is, um, he left a message on Twitter X or X Twitter, whatever it's called, just sharing his condolences with Mike Dixon's family. Well, of course, you know, a less honourable man might well have um, turned his eerie upon him and said, you know, well, I've had the last laugh because I've been able, you know, after the COVID um, pandemic and you know, just petered out and all the lies that he's, um, um, Djokovic has been able to return to the tour and he's won tournaments and, um, you know, nothing, nothing's really held him back. Now, of course, this um, isn't the first. We've heard of other people dying suddenly people in the, in the media who were very um, critical of so-called um, anti-vaxxers. Also, just um, recently, um, it brought to mind, um, this week, the Liverpool football soccer manager, Jurgen Klopp, he's announced that he's, he's going to leave the club at the end of the season. It's another story. But, of course, at the time, he, um, during COVID, uh, Mr Klopp, he compared so-called anti-vaxxers to drunk drivers, which at the time, of course, I was thinking, well, first of all, that is the most ridiculous kind of analogy. Of, 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 I mean, it's ridiculous. Basically, you know, saying that we were um, killers. And this was done at a Liverpool press conference and he's he should just be talking about football, and, you know, soccer. So why he felt, you know, he the need to, you know, to spread his bile. But anyway, furthermore, this idea of should we forgive and forget with these people dying, some have called it divine justice. I think that's a bit harsh. I mean, no one, you know, in spite of what they may or may not have said and their intentions around why they said what they said, no one deserves to die. But I don't know. This is a difficult one for me because... Um, I'm not sure that we should necessarily forget um, how we were treated, those who wanted to decide their own uh, their own kind of what medical procedures they want and how to live their life um, freely from 
government and health and state intervention. Um, I'm not sure that we should um, necessarily forget what was done to us. I don't think we should forget. I don't we I don't think we should forget um, the types of people that did it. Should we forgive? That's a difficult one because um, to live without forgiveness obviously um, tends to harbour resentment and anger, which doesn't do us any good, if you allow me to speak collectively uh, in this particular moment. So it's, it's a difficult one to call, but certainly I would say we shouldn't, we certainly shouldn't forget because if anything like that happens um, again, should we forgive these people? Well, yeah, maybe, but only because um, kind of very selfishly it, it kind of releases us from any ongoing anguish or any ongoing sort of um, attachment to uh, negativity to uh, because, of course, if you um, if you hold resentment or anger towards people and you aren't able to forgive, it affects us um even more than than the person you know that perhaps we we should forgive i don't know it depends uh it depends on one situation i was quite lucky because i wasn't working at the time i was about to start a job but they wanted this sort of onerous testing twice a week i wasn't prepared to go through with that some might say that's i'm weak but i just didn't want to have anything to do with the covid even testing i never had to test once I know those who, um, you know, would say if you are walking the path, you should be able to, you should be able to, you know, step into your fears. And if you were fearful of having the test, then that shows, you know, you're not a very spiritually evolved um, person. My my thinking at the time, I'm not sure if I was right or wrong, was I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was so evil. It was so authoritarian. It was just so wrong, morally wrong. I just thought if I took this job at the time. Uh, and you know uh, committed to this testing regime i was an accomplice to a crime that was just my belief at the time sorry i've gone off i've um i've gone off track here but yeah there are just finish with this point there are some people who are still you know going on and on about covid still um you know pointing out uh, all of the diet suddenlies and all the and all the other things that are going on and there's nothing wrong with that i think we do need people doing that but by the same the same token, so we there we do need to be able to de- to partly detach as well because otherwise it's just not it's just not healthy if we you know we're we're focusing on um on something that's outside of our control and and if we want there if we want to see justice is done uh which is probably never really ever going to be done in the public realm it it, it does, again it can as I was saying before. With regards to Trump and trying to work out what's going on, it can, it can, uh, it can drive us. It, it can drive us uh, insane, really. So um, another, hopefully, an interesting observation was able to share with you. Now, in the last part of today's episode, um, I just want to pick up on something that um, uh, um, I'm kind of noticing more and more within myself and. It's not particularly grandiose, but this idea of, you know, we see all this craziness out there in the world and we're thinking, well, what, what, what can I do? I don't want to be like, you know, some religious zealot. I don't want to be an eco-warrior where I think I can change the world. 
I don't want to be a, a black pillar where, you know, I want all the bad pe people, you know, like in Hollywood, I want them all arrested. I want all the crimes accounted for. I want all the elite paedophiles hunted down and, and killed and, and hung up. What I'm talking about is, you know, how we the people can, how can we make this world a better place? Uh, and I think it, in one regard, it just comes down to being what I would say is, or I would describe, sorry, as the power of a positive example. And I'll give you a little anecdote. A few years ago, I was running locally with a friend and we ran past this, uh, it was a, it was a chap, he was a little boy, he was about seven and eight, he was probably with his dad. And I just heard him say to his dad, he said, oh, daddy, when I grow up, I want to be a runner like that, that man. And he was referring to me, probably because I had a kind of luminescent, luminous coat on. So I was showing up more than, than my than my running buddy. But anyway, it sounds a bit like a Nike commercial, an Adidas commercial or something. But anyway, what that reminded me again is um, the how easy it is to discount the positive impact that we can have on people around us and how that can, by extension, have a positive impact on, on, on the world. And I know in the grand scheme of things, some kid being inspired by someone running, running and this is before my asthma developed. So um, if it was now, I'd probably just be sort of um, crawling on the floor. But anyway, even back then, I was certainly not, you know, a Usain Bolt or a Mo, a Mo Farah. Um, but anyway, it, it just, it does speak to that idea of if we can have positive energy when we're doing things, it is very healing, but not just for us, for those around us as well. So if we can set a good example, then that can be, you know, you think if you if you throw a pebble into a river or in, in you, you can or into a lake, you can see the ripples um, radiate. So the initial movement might be quite small, but 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 that can that can um, radiate outwards if we set an example um, by our by our simple day to day uh, behavior. And, I mean, another good example, of course, is in a in a kind of family setting, the way in which, um, in terms of psychology and so psychosocial development of children, children children mirror their parents' behaviors, and they mirror they tend to mirror um how their parents um deal with life so if their parents are quite anxious and neurotic and don't really cope well with life then it tends to be when those children grow up then they then they do they do the same so you can see you know like monkey see monkey do and obviously so this process already exists within society this idea of mirroring we also seen it in terms of marketing campaigns and flash mobs and things where you have um, a group of people and they're doing something very positive and then you you get other people that follow so you might get someone that is employed in a store and they'll and they'll walk around and they'll stop at various points and pick up an item on the shelf and go oh this is really oh i really like this product all oh, the the colors oh it smells so good and then of course that positivity radiates out and then other shoppers walking by will pick up on that and they they will more likely buy the product so of course um the corporate world through advertising realizes the example of positive a, a positive example obviously they you could say they're using it for um a kind of in, to increase their profits so they're using it for kind of like a negative thing but it's that it's they um 
is the same principle. It's exactly the same principle whereby if we are putting out positive energy into the world and then that naturally, because it radiates out from our physical body, that is picked up by other people. And if we are, it's that old adage of, you know, how do we, how do we change the world? We change ourselves first. And I know that is, um, that seems a little bit of um, an ineffectual way of changing the world when there's, there is so much craziness, um, there's so much craziness going on right now. But I think more and more, um, I think it is incumbent upon us to kind of live that life philosophy, if you will. Not, not you know, in a dogmatic way we should do that because I think, I know each day it is it is too easy to fall into negativity, to depression, to pessimism with what's going on in the world. But but the power we have, the power we have as individuals is uh, our positivity, is our uh, is 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 our energy, and some might say you know our godness, if you believe in that kind of um, aspect, that is a the higher aspect of ourself. Um, to and we have kind of like um, we have a responsibility really not to not to get too consumed. You know, I was talking about before by all this talk of World War Three. Um, we do have a responsibility because we do many of us do have a a a more advanced, a more kind of what's the word? Perhaps. Um, a better take, a more holistic, perhaps I can put it like that, um, a view of what's going on in the world so we don't have to fall into kind of dualism, um, tribalism as much as other people and we can sti still hold our little light, our little uh, miner's light with our, our light and just um, and just radiate and radiate radiate it out there. It doesn't mean we have to be you know, eco-warriors, as I was saying in the introduction to this section, you know, or, or political um, activists, is just recognising that power that we do have uh, as individuals to, to have a positive influence. Anyway, I just wanted to end on a positive note in today's episode of Into the Void, obviously, because I've been picking up on some more sort of shadowy aspects of this um, thing we call life and things that are meandering around on the kind of news sphere the media plex anyway i hope you have enjoyed today's particular episode and um i will speak to you all again very soon bye bye for now